And if you have a financial question for Pega Bruce, you can call this number 24-7-1888-6 Advice. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. And you can also during the show call or text our studio line at 651 461 9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and Founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Thank you, Danny Long. Peg. Oh, hello, Peg. Hi. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I got used to talking uh, when you missed the last couple weeks, and I meant to jump right in and tell you how much you were missed, and I literally lost count of how many people told me how they missed when you weren't on the show, how much better the show is when you're uh, with me instead of uh, me by myself. So welcome Bruce, back. I'm sh- yeah, thank you. And I'm sure you're making all that up and making me feel good this morning. But um, nope, nope, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back. <laughs> happy to be back. Well, glad to have you back. And we're both happy to have with us today joining us. So frequent listeners to the show, those folks that have been with us for a long time, will recognize uh, today's guest. We're going to talk today about... You know, here we are in November already, and I don't know where the time goes. Um, I'm seeing Christmas lights up already. Hallmark's got the Christmas movies going. Um, We're in November, and we're in the home stretch to year end, and there's still some things you can do between now and the end of the year possibly to uh, positively impact your tax situation. So that's what we're going to talk about today, things that you might be able to do between now and the end of the year to improve your 2022 tax situation. So we're fortunate. Ryan McEwen, who's a, a senior advisor and frequent guest on the show, he, uh, he's in our Mankato office. Uh, Ryan is, is uh, on the tax strategies, part of the roundtable team. He's a longstanding member of the Ed Slot Master Elite Advisor Group, a leading national group. Anyone that uh, in our industry that, that knows about taxes knows Ed Slot and knows uh, how impressive that is. And, you know, Ryan, or actually to you first, Peg, if there's a better tax guy in the country than Ryan, I've never met him. I don't know who it is. And here's the thing, Peg, I think you're going to agree with me on this as we embarrass Ryan and not let him talk. We've got a lot of good tax people at at WEG. I can go to people with a tax question that I I don't know the answer to, and they might sometimes they don't know either off the top of their head. And I go, oh, I'm not as stupid as I thought I was. But they can find it in like 30 seconds. They know right where to go to get the answer, and I'd be searching for hours. You go to Ryan with the same question. He's got the answer on the top of his head. He doesn't even need to look it up. Well, okay, um, and I've said this on the show, and Ryan, you're, you're going to know that this is a repeat, but um, Ryan is actually the most kindest person that I know. And also, I'm sorry, Ryan, but you are a walking encyclopedia. That's what I call him because he's just so knowledgeable about everything. And so thank you, Ryan, for accepting our invite to be on the show with us today. Well, Peg, I I attribute it all. uh, It's all the coffee and the extra hour of sleep I got this morning because of daylight savings time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's let's dig into this, you guys. So, um, Ryan, I know you have a bunch of things kind of pre-planned, things that you know you want to talk about for sure. Um, I'll let you kind of lead the discussion, and Peg, uh, you help him along, and I'll... uh, I'm the the dumbest tax person here. I'll wing in something once in a while (laughs) if I think I got something. 
sure. Well, Ryan, um, we better follow the outline. And part of it is because you wrote the outline. But in our practice today, you know, we're kind of feeling crunched now because we've got November and December for year end tax planning. And the theme today is, um, you know, what is it that you can do yet this year? And I like what you put in the outline. You can either increase your income or decrease your income. So let's just start talking about what is it that we could do yet this year that might be productive? Absolutely, Peg. And I think right now in the early part of November is key to start looking at these items because you have time to still take action. If we were doing this program on December 31st, not a whole lot of options left before the end of the year. So the first topic we'll talk about is increasing your income and absorbing or soaking up your lower tax brackets. I think this is kind of counterintuitive to a lot of people and how they think about tax planning because we often think, why wouldn't we want to lower our income and reduce our taxes? And in some cases, we do want to lower our taxes. And we'll talk about that in the second uh, segment of the show, but increasing your income. Every taxpayer every year can have so much income and stay in a lower tax bracket. And I don't know about you, Peg, but I find that a lot of clients miss out on using these lower tax brackets. Don't you? Well, the question is, why in the world would you pay more tax than you have to? I mean, sometimes when I say, well, let's raise your income, you should see the look I get. Like, what do you mean you want me to pay Uncle Sam a little bit more? But yes, we um, we need to educate our clients. And I think the existing clients are, are very understanding about, oh, I can soak up a, a low tax bracket. Um, I want to hear about that. So, yes, it is popular within Wealth Enhancement Group's comprehensive planning. Absolutely. And that's, it's a real big picture way of looking at it because uh, Peg and Bruce and I, we look at you can have so much income in a 10% federal bracket or a 12% bracket, and we look down the road and see that a client's going to be in a 22 or a 24 or one of those higher tax brackets. And so if we can realize some of that income now – at that lower 10 or 12% bracket or whatever our, our goal tax bracket is, we get to use that this year. And, but the thing is, if we don't use up that lower tax bracket now, we don't get to use it up again in future years. I can't say, oh gosh, I wish I would have been able to use more of my lower tax bracket from 2022 and it's 2023 and now I'm facing maybe needing some more income, but now I might be at a higher tax bracket. So strategies, that we talk about with clients are Roth conversions. That's one, one strategy. And when you have a Roth conversion, you're taking money from a traditional IRA or a 401k, a tax deferred account, and converting it to a Roth IRA where you're paying the tax now on that amount that's converted, but then the funds are all growing tax-free for whenever you want to use them in the future when maybe you'd be in a higher tax bracket. And it's a way of incurring the income now if you don't if you don't need the cash. And we've talked about this a lot on the program before, but this is one of the easiest ways that you that you can enact and not only take advantage of those lower tax brackets now, but taking advantage of tax free growth for the future. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like 
I, I, you know, I've been doing this for quite a while now, and every time we've done Roth conversions when the market is down, maybe it doesn't, and we pay taxes at that lower rate, we get the, that all the growth when the market recovers, uh, you know, long term, all tax free. If that money stays in the IRA and we recover, uh, you know, in the IRA with the mar- when the market recovers, that's all. Now we're compounding the tax problem. So it's. It's using, it's very strategic. We're using up that lower tax bracket this year, uh, but from a long-term financial planning, we're taking advantage of tax-free growth when the market, uh, when the market does recover. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah. And you know, the other thing, uh, Ryan, is there's some kind of urgency in that we do have the tax rate sunsetting January of 2026. Now, whether that will still stand I don't know, but it is a motivator for my clients to say, well, if I could do these conversions at a lower rate now um, and we do sunset to those higher rates and the market's volatile and lower, it is a win-win-win if it makes sense. So other things that um, we can do to increase our income. Absolutely. One strategy that I think people often overlook is realizing capital gains or resetting your basis. I don't think a lot of people realize that there's a special 0% long-term capital gains rate uh, to the extent that your income stays within a certain level, which is about $83,000 on a federal uh, taxable income or in in, uh, about the uh, $41,000 on a single basis. And so, again, 0% tax rate. When does that when does that happen? Now, if you're in a state that has tax that has a tax, you do have to pay some state taxes. But if you're in a state with no taxes, you could literally use up this zero percent capital gains rate uh, gains bracket and pay no taxes for realizing a gain this year. Now, what if you don't need the cash right now, but you've got this gap? One of my favorite strategies to use is what's called resetting your cost basis. I have clients. They've owned, uh, let's say, uh, stock A for a long time, and maybe that stock is down a little bit this year uh, because of the market, but they still have a gain in that stock. What they can do is sell that stock at a gain right now and use up their 0% long-term, ca- long-term capital gains bracket, and then immediately buy back the stock, except, like, except now when they buy back the stock, it's at a higher cost basis. So now, if they choose to sell the stock in the future, they only end up having a gain on whatever the difference is between when they rebought it back now versus what they might sell it for in the future. And that's called resetting your cost basis. It's a, it's a good opportunity to increase your cost basis on a stock uh, without actually reducing your position in it if you feel that it's a favorable holding for the long term. Where I find that works really, really well is when clients retire early, meaning they've got a lot of cash in the bank, they can live off cash, and all of a sudden they don't have a lot of ordinary income. And so this strategy works really well for people that um, can live off cash, not show a lot of income. Now, let's talk a little bit about decreasing your income. I think people will perk up listening to the show now like, wait a minute, how can I decrease my income? Absolutely. This is where people get excited. Uh, I'm with you, Peg. And when I talk about increasing your income to use up those lower tax brackets and say, well, 
you know, well, we're going to have you pay tax except at a lower rate right now. Uh, uh, It's not as exciting as saying, hey, we've got some ideas for reducing your income and actually offering a tax savings. The first thing we want to look at is charitable deductions. And when we get into this category, we often talk about bunching your charitable contributions in one year to get far above and beyond the standard deduction so that you actually get a benefit for itemizing. Since 2018, it's been very uh, challenging to itemize your tax deductions. If, if for, for those of you out there, remember 2018, the standard deduction doubled and has continued to go up. And, then, and also our ability to write off state income tax, state, in, uh, state income and property taxes was limited to $10,000. So all of a sudden it became a lot harder to get a benefit for deductions like charitable giving. And so when you bunch deductions, you might look to say, hey, I am, you know, why don't I put several years worth of giving or double up on my charitable giving this year to get over the standard deduction this year, but then I won't give as much next year and I'll be below the standard deduction. And between the combination of the two years, you end up having more deductions overall while spending the same amount of money. Now, what are strategies you can use to get more deductions? And this is the catch that I find is most people, they're not comfortable with giving a big check to their church or to their school or wherever, whatever is important to them from a charitable giving uh, perspective all at once. They're, they feel like they're setting the wrong expectations for future gifts. They don't want to mislead the charity that, that uh, they're going to keep giving at that same year. So we look to a strategy called a donor advised fund. And we've talked about this strategy on the show before, but a donor advised fund is a special account where you can put cash or donate stock, especially appreciated stock into and get a deduction for that entire contribution all this year. And then going forward, you do your giving from that donor advised fund. And I have clients will talk about putting aside maybe even five to 10 years worth of charitable giving if they have the cash or stock to do so. And then we put that cash or stock in the donor advised fund and deduct it all this year. And and because the deduction is so big, it gets them way beyond the standard deduction. And it actually provides a nice tax benefit, which reduces your taxable income. Because remember, if you don't itemize, you don't get a benefit for these charitable deductions. And then going forward, uh, they're able to give from the donor advised fund. Now, you don't get another deduction when you give to your charities from the donor advised fund in the future, but it's a nice way of getting the deduction now, but then giving the money later when, when you're actually would have normally given it out. Hey, I just want to remind listeners, Denny uh, did this once already, but while we have Ryan with us, if you want to uh, get your question answered live, you can call in. 651-461-9226, especially in the second half. I think we'll try to get to a lot of listener questions. 651-461-9226. And then, you guys, I, I always take it back to the simplest because I am the simplest. Um, we, I think sometimes we take for granted things that people will know them that they don't. But I want to remind everybody that our tax system is progressive. In other words, 
when we do try to prevent what we call bracket creep or going into a higher bracket, but if it happens, that's not every dollar of income back to dollar one earned. In other words, if I'm in a 12% tax bracket, married filing jointly, and my income is you know $83,000, and the limit is 83,550, and then I go into the 22% bracket, if I go to 84,550, I don't pay 22% on everything. It's only that $1,000 over and above the, the top of the 12% bracket. So yes, we do try to avoid bracket creep, but if it happens, it's not is devastating. I've actually had people say, I want to make less money or I don't want to take this bonus because I don't want to go into a higher bracket. You're still going to net more take-home pay. And then quickly, Ryan, people have been asking me, you know, these mandatory uh, adjustments uh, that the IRS has to make because of inflation, correct me if I'm wrong, but they are not impactful until 2023, right? This is, there's nothing that's changing that's going to do anything for 2022. Absolutely, Bruce, but I think that given the changes that are coming for, for inflation, like the standard deduction is increasing, the ability to have more income and stay in a lower tax bracket, I think that will that does impact what you might want to consider between now and the end of the year for 2022. So, for instance, the charitable strategy I just talked about where you bunch your charitable deductions in one year, the standard deduction is lower this year, and it's going to be higher next year. So if you were going to bunch your deductions, this would be a year to think about doing that because next year you need to have even more deductions to get over the, the standard deduction that's getting adjusted for inflation next year. And you have tax brackets that are getting expanded too, meaning that the amount of income you can have and stay in a lower tax bracket is going up. Bruce talks about bracket creep. Well, that's where you want to look and say, how much income am I into a higher tax bracket? And look at how much income do I need to get rid of or have deductions to offset to offset that income that's getting taxed in a higher tax bracket. If your income is staying the same, you're, you're going to have more income in those higher tax brackets this year than you will next year because A, tax brackets are going up, and B, you'll have a standard deduction that is going to be higher. So even though those 2023 adjustments don't impact taxes until 2023, I do think it's relevant when you're sitting down with your tax professional or financial planner between now and the end of the year to make these important decisions. Those are great points. That's exactly where I wanted you to go. Peg, Ryan, we've got about two minutes left. What, what do we still want to try to get uh, conveyed to our listeners here in the first half of the show quickly? Yeah, I think there's a, uh, a you know, run down a couple of bullet points here. So first, max out your qualified retirement accounts, your 401ks or 403bs. Check your pay stubs and see where you're sitting at. If you're under age 50, you can contribute 20500 pre-tax, $27,000 if you're age 50 or older. Um, you only have so many paychecks between now and the end of the year. So check the deductions on your payroll and see if you're on track to make that happen. And if not, you can increase your contributions. I have some clients uh, really bump those up uh, even to maybe half or more of their paychecks sometimes the last couple of years if they're trying to reduce their taxable income. How about maximizing your health savings account contribution? Just like the 401k and 403b, you know, you can look at your pay stub and see, are you on track? 
uh, to maximize your contribution. And the, the HSA limits this year, it's $3,650 uh, if you're under age 55, if you're an individual, 7,300 if you're a family, and if you're over 55, you get an additional $1,000 to catch up. So that's a great opportunity. The HSA, though, you can contribute after year end if you don't make it by the end of the year, but it's better if you do it during the year. And if you're a business owner, take a look at what's called pass-through entity tax credit. If you're a business owner in a state that has a tax, you should be talking to your tax professional about the pass-through tax entity credit kind of complicated, so you do have to talk to your tax professional about it, but it's a way to get around the $10,000 cap on your state and local taxes. Okay, we're about finished for the first half. In the second half, uh, we can expand upon anything that you want to give a little more detail to or hit anything that we didn't hit. But then, Denny, if possible, we'll let listeners drive most of the second half of the show. Absolutely. We're already getting phone calls and text messages, and you can do the same. Uh, you can call in or text in this number, and we'll be back after the break, 651-461-9226. Keep in mind, if you think of questions midweek, you can also call the toll-free line 888-6ADVICE. And always, you can email your questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But do call us or text us, 651 461 Back in a moment with more of your money. If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 247-8886-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. But right now, during the show, you can call or text our studio line immediately at 651-461-9226. Again, 651-461-9226. Nine two two six. Once again, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Thank you, Danny Long, uh, Peg, uh, and I should reintroduce uh, our guest. Uh, Ryan McEwen is kind enough to be with us today. We're talking about year-end things we can do, perhaps between now and the end of the year, to enhance your overall tax situation still for 2022 and uh i think we kind of decided guys that uh we kind of i think covered everything that we wanted to maybe there's a few more things we'll go into greater depth on before the end of the show but uh, denny tells me that we have calls and texts what do you say we go right to listeners and let them drive the show very good let's that uh, idea very good Uh, let's uh, grab the first caller mary has been uh, hanging on the line mary thank you what is your question Yes, I use TurboTax and sometimes HNR tax software. I don't think I'm getting the benefit of the information, educational tax information that Brian uh, mentioned. Is it better to get a, a a professional like him to do my taxes than to use that kind of software? Am I getting the same benefit is my question. Well, Mary, that is a good question, and I get this. I get this a lot. TurboTax and H&R Block or a lot of the professional tax software programs. They are really good at being able to allow you to enter in your data and get you to the point where your tax return is complete and hopefully accurate. I find that even for a lot of our clients, that the tax software pro- tax software programs are so complicated now. You have thousands of questions you have to ask, they get confused whether or not things even pertain to them or not. 
Now, should you hire a tax professional to prepare your taxes? Well, I think it depends. Some people do have a simpler tax return to prepare, but that doesn't mean that their tax situation isn't complex. Some of the topics we talked about earlier in the show, like incurring capital gains to use up your 0% tax bracket, converting from IRA to Roth IRA to, to take advantage of those low rates now, those are things that have to be done in the planning process. By the time you sit down with a tax professional to actually do your return, those transactions that already have been done, and I find with, when you sit down with a lot of tax professionals in the spring, they are so busy just wanting to get those tax returns completed by the tax deadline of April 15th that there's not a lot of time for planning. Those discussions need to be taking place now with a financial professional or a lot of tax professionals need to sit down and have those those year-end meetings. It's you got to do the proactive planning. Uh, tax returns are a great way of recording history, what's already happened. Uh, when we're planning, we're looking we're looking ahead to where the puck's going in the future to put you in the best position. <clears throat> the only thing I would add to that is, yeah, is part of our comprehensive planning at Wealth Enhancement Group includes reviewing tax returns that were already done. So, you know, so in 2022, um, even though we don't prepare all of our clients' tax returns, I ask for a copy so that I can see if what we had suggested and implemented as a tax strategy flowed through the tax return correctly. And I have to tell you, the self-preparers, the TurboTax people, the H&R people, you know, the terminology is not understood some of the time. So the number gets put in the wrong place or they didn't get the benefit of our strategy. Now, we will catch that. And we do make, you know, really great friends with, with the clients. They're just raving because we found them money. Well, really, it was that the, the tax return wasn't prepared correctly. So, I just wanted to put that out there that I highly recommend for my clients that they hire someone to prepare the tax return just because they know the terminology better than my clients do. Bruce? I wanted, I wanted, oh, I'm sorry, Ryan. Go ahead, Bruce. Well, well uh, point don't, I was don't lose make. your train of thought. <laughs> don't lose your train of thought, Ryan. But I, I, what you both said, it's important, I think, that we draw a distinction between tax preparation and tax planning. And I, what I tell clients is tax preparation is reporting the score of the game when the game's done. Tax planning is trying to change the score of the game so you've got a better score to report. And, and I don't want to be overgeneralizing on tax preparers and CPAs around the country because, Ryan, you are one. But in my experience, the, the tax preparer isn't doing tax planning, and if they are, they're sort of focused on only the immediate tax year, and we look at the long-term big picture. And, and sometimes, we've said on this show many times, you're better off paying a little bit more tax in the short term to avoid a big tax in the long term. But I don't think most tax preparers see the long term the way we do as planners. And again, I, it's not fair to generalize like that, but in my experience, that's that's what I've seen. That's 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 my truth, Ryan. Absolutely, and I think there's some coordination that needs to happen or context for that tax professional too. 
I know I recommend Roth conversions or there's a strategy called a qualified charitable distribution where clients over age 70 and a half use their tax deferred IRAs to have money sent directly to charity, which can be excluded from income. But the 1099 that our clients provide the tax professional doesn't report it that way. It's up to the, the client to let the tax preparer know that it went to charity without that context or without some coordination between the financial professional and the tax advisor, that distribution might be reported as taxable. Or if you're doing TurboTax or H&R Block and you just plug in the numbers from the forms, you might end up overpaying your taxes significantly. Bruce? Oh, uh, Peg, anything else on that? No, I think we've, we hit all the points on that one. All right, we, Danny, uh, more yes, questions? absolutely. I think John is on the line. Uh, John, thanks for waiting. What is your question uh, this morning, today? Yes, I appreciate your show a lot. And um, I have a question on uh, IRA distribution. My mom passed away in September of 2020, and I am 70, and I am just wondering, uh, and it's, like I said, a traditional IRA, and I'm just wondering my options or what I must do for distributions. So, John, a follow-up question on that: Was your mom? Did your was your mom over? Uh, was she taking required distributions from her own IRA? I'm assuming because of your age. I'm seventy. Okay, but your mom, when she died, was she? She was obviously over. Uh, you know, she was obviously taking required distributions. Or I can Correct. make that assumption. Correct. Okay. So. So there's some rules that just changed. There's the SECURE Act that was effective January 1st of 2020. And there's this new 10-year uh, uh, rule that's put in place. And there's been some new regulations that have, had to, that have just came out that clarify what a beneficiary like yourself, John, should do in this situation. So the regulations say that you have to take a required distribution starting the year after death based on your single life expectancy. And so there's a table, a single life expectancy table that, uh, uh, that you can use. John, your, your particular factor is 18 uh, based on your age because you'd be 71 the year that you have a distribution. But, of course, the IRS never makes anything easy. They came out with regulations late which waive the required distribution penalty for 2021 and 2022, because technically people should have been taking distributions in 2021, but leave it to the IRS to not come out with these rules until 2022. Left a lot of people hanging in the dust. So, nope, you know, so in 2023, non-spouse beneficiaries, there's all sorts of exceptions to this rule too, but typically, a non-spouse beneficiary will have to start taking a required distribution from a decedent who was taking their own required distribution, uh, you know, starting in 2023 based on their own life expectancy. Of course, the IRS makes things even more complicated, and this is why I asked, you know, how, you know, was your mom older taking her own required distributions? If, if the decedent died before they were taking required distributions, there's no required distribution for the decedent. Now, there's what's called the 10-year rule where you take, you know, you t John will have to take required distributions and have the entire account depleted uh, in year 10. 
So it'll be very small distributions. Those Bruce? who inherited an IRA from a decedent, from a decedent that was under their required distribution, their required beginning date, or not taking distributions, there's no required distribution until year 10, and they'll just have one big distribution at that time. They can certainly take more out and accelerate those distributions before then to avoid having a big lump sum distribution. So that's where. For my clients, we look and say, how much income can we absorb in these lower tax brackets? Uh, soaking up, uh, you know, like we talked about earlier in the show, without going into a higher tax bracket. So that way, when we get to year 10, there's not this huge distribution that might put you into a higher tax bracket at that time. Here's our phone number, and it's also our text number. Take advantage of it, 651-461-9226. Again, 651-461-9226. A phone call or text, whichever is easier. Here's a text, uh, and we have more coming in. Uh, What is the AGI for 2022 and 2023 when one would pay more for Medicare Part B two years later? Thank you. Your show is great. Hey, Ryan, uh, before you jump on that one, I want to reintroduce uh, you. I think we started the second half. I said I was going to introduce you, and then I didn't. <laughs> so I think we went right into questions. But Ryan McEwen is the voice that you hear today. Uh, great day to call and get tax questions answered. Ryan is, is the best tax guy I've ever known, one of the best tax guys in the country. He's a uh, the senior advisor in our Mankato, Minnesota office, and so we're doing – uh, all tax the rest of the rest of the show we spent a lot of the first half talking about things you can still do this year to help your 2022 tax situation but your tax questions when ryan's here let's use him and uh, hit the hit him with the hard questions if you call when he's uh, not here peg and i might not know the answer but ryan will so ryan you want to take that one absolutely so what the, the texture is asking about is what what are the income limit amounts before you start receiving an income-related monthly adjusted amount, or IRMA, if you're on Medicare. And this gets a little confusing because the income that they use is from two years prior to determine the the current income or the current uh, income-related adjustment for Medicare. And so for 2023, 2021 AGI is used to determine that. For 2022, it was 2020. For uh, for 2021, it was 2019 and so forth. There's a lag effect because uh, you haven't filed your 2022 tax return yet, so they're not able to use that data until 2024. So upcoming for the 2023 year, the 2021 income that could be used if you're single is $97,000 or less. If you're married filing jointly in 2021, it's $194,000 or less. They make inflation adjustments to this every year. So if you're thinking about what should my 2022 income be so that I don't get hit with higher Medicare premiums in 2024 due to these income-related monthly adjustment amounts or IRMAs, um, I think it would be fair to use the $97,000 2021 figure that dictates 2023 figures for single individuals or $194,000 for joint 
uh, because when they look to 2024 premiums and have to use 2022 income, there will be some inflation adjustment built in there that uh, that should increase those. So if you're trying to play it safe, I think that would be a reasonable assumption is to use the 2021 income figures that dictate the 2023 ones. And I would also add, this is one of those uh, soaking up bracket topics that I know Bruce and Peg and I often look at. How much income can we absorb without making our clients' Medicare premiums uh, uh, higher? And this is, you always find out about this way after the fact because if someone's uh, income was too high for a year, we don't, that doesn't hit until, uh, you know, a couple years after the fact. And so it's always one of those bad surprises where a client has thought they paid all the taxes they were supposed to pay and then oh, wait, there's more. There's this income-related monthly adjustment amount that comes about. Now, if you are facing those, there are some exceptions. If you retired, if there's a death, things of that nature, you can file to appeal uh, for to get those premiums back to the normal amount, which uh, next year, 2023, their Medicare Part B is $164.90. This year, it's $170. We're actually getting a decrease in the standard Medicare Part B premium you're facing these income-related adjustments and you've had a major life-changing event, there's a possibility you could you could appeal and get that base amount. So so I think that about covers that question. Bruce Pegg, do you have anything to add? The only thing I want to do is thank you, Brian, for being part of our roundtable and assisting Bruce, I, all the financial advisors nationally at Wealth Enhancement Group, because you're just showing us how complex our job is uh, by being our guest today. So thank you for that. Bruce? Yeah, I, thank you, Ryan. I, I echo those words. Now, I, I do want to go back to that last text really quick. Um, it's an example that we talk about all the time of ripple effects. So when we talk about comprehensive financial planning, comprehensive tax planning, you have to look at more than just the income tax. What is that income going to do to your Medicare Part B premium? What's it going to do to the taxation of your Social Security benefit? And this, these ripple effects, I think, are things that people that try to do this on their own don't have the foresight to think about. And if I could make a dovetail on that, the ripple effects, Congress does not have to raise your tax rates for you to pay more taxes. I find that more often than not, Congress is coming up with these backdoor taxes, like taxing Social Security more, making you pay higher Medicare premiums. It's, they're not increasing your tax rate, but in effect, you end up paying a higher tax rate because of some of these gotchas that, that you end up getting hit with. Denny, I think we've got about three minutes. We should be able to get in one more question, I think. Uh, absolutely. Uh, here is one that, that I think will take us there. Regarding strategies on deferred taxes, four years from retirement, would converting my deferred comp, 50 to 75000 now in a fixed, into a fixed index annuity be a good strategy or waiting for market turnaround? I am maxing out Roth and pension. Wait, I think there's a lot of variables to unwind there. So the the texture is talking about converting from, from a deferred account into a Roth, uh, you know, now. And they're also talking about an investment product, a, fi uh, a fixed indexed annuity. And so, you know, in regards to the investment vehicle, I think you need to look at your overall goals and objectives 
not try to time the market and think about what's appropriate for your time horizon, your goal, your your risk tolerance, and so forth. That's that's one factor in that the conversion from an from a deferred plan to a Roth IRA. That's a situation of what tax bracket are you in right now, and what tax bracket do you think you're going to need, need to be you're going to be in the future? And I think that's where you need to run some long term projections to to really gauge based on what cash flow you're needing in the future, you can determine what that tax rate later might be. And then you can see right now, what is the actual tax rate or tax cost of you doing those conversions now to see if that 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 decision makes sense later on down the road. Uh, Bruce and Peg, would there be any other variables that you guys would take into consideration? The one thing I would add is the market has been really, really volatile this year, right? It's up, it's down, it's up, it's down. And I just caution people out there um, selling out just because of their fear of the fact that the market's down and going into some type of fixed product. I like what you said, Ryan, in revisiting your goals, revisiting your risk tolerance, revisiting how much income you need for the rest of your life. Don't just decide because the market's rocky that you want to go into a fixed product today. So that's my only guidance is, is look at your overall picture before jumping into selling out of the market. Bruce? Yeah, and, I, and I'll add to that, and this is probably the last one uh, we have time to take today anyway, I'm, to, to piggyback what Peg said. If, if your asset allocation made sense 10 months ago, it, it didn't suddenly become stupid just because we had a market retraction. There are times where you make changes, where you get more aggressive or more conservative, but usually those are going to be based more on life events or changing goals or changes, things that happen to you. We're not going to usually recommend wholesale changes just because the market was really good or the market was really bad. And it's funny, Peg and Ryan, we don't get these questions when, when people have a good year in the market. After 2021, no one said, hey, it was really good this year. Maybe I should move to fixed and lock in my gains. But then in 2022, when it goes down, suddenly that same person thinks it's a good idea to get out of the market and go in the fixed. Neither one was a good idea. If that allocation made sense, it probably still makes sense. And, Danny, I know we're up against the clock. Thank you, Ryan, so much for being here. you got to come more often. There's not enough time in the hour to get to everything with, when you're here. Very good. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you, Ryan and Peg. 888-6-ADVICE, if you can think of a financial question midweek. And we do hope you uh, join us again next time. You can also send your email questions, keep that in mind, to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But call us, 888-6-ADVICE, and join us again next week for another edition of Your Money.